It's every mare owner's nightmare. The excited anticipation for the birth of a foal quickly changes to devastation after the mare aborts the pregnancy. In today's podcast, we will discuss the role of equine herpes virus 1 in abortion and what mare owners can do to prevent and manage it. Hello and welcome to the Ontario Animal Health Network podcast for horse owners. I'm your host, Dr. Allison Moore, coordinator of the Equine Network. Today, I am joined by Dr. Tracy Chenier, who is a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Theriogenologists, as well as an associate professor of theriogenology in the Department of Population Medicine at the Ontario Veterinary College. Welcome, Dr. Chenier. Hello. So maybe before we get started, you could uh, define to our listeners what theriogenology is. (laughs) Sure. It's a bit of an odd term. Uh, Theriogenology basically means veterinary reproduction. So I'm an equine reproductive specialist. Great. Thanks for that. So as I said in the opening, um, it's pretty tragic when a mare aborts a pregnancy. And although there are several causes, we're going to focus on equine herpes virus today because it could be pretty devastating. I'm just wondering, in your experience, um, how, how would you describe the effect that an abortion or abortion storm has on the owners or the facility managers? Oh, I think devastating is exactly the word to, the word to use. Um, you know, it, it, it's partly the cost. It's expensive these days to, to breed a mare. Cost of semen or, or a stud fee is high. Uh, cost of keeping horses is high. But it, but it goes way beyond just the expense. Um, gestation's really long. You know, you're waiting with this great anticipation for 11 months for the foal that's going to be born, dreaming about it, thinking about it. Um, and, and the emotional toll that it takes on owners and also the veterinarians that are, that are handling these cases with, with all these aborted pregnancies. Uh, and sometimes they can be quite late in gestation, a fully formed fetus or newborn foals are born dead. I mean, it really, truly is a devastating. I've not, fortunately never had to experience that myself, but I, uh, I can imagine how horrible it is. So how do these mirrors get infected with the virus in the first place? So herpes virus is uh, endemic, and what that means is basically it's everywhere. Um, studies have shown, depending on where you are in the age of the horses, that anywhere from 50% to over 80% of adult horses have antibodies to herpes virus. That means they've been exposed to the virus at some point in their life. Foals are often infected shortly after birth by their their moms, by the dam, because she may shed the virus for a period of time after foaling. Um, And herpes is a really contagious virus. It's mostly spread through nasal secretions, through the respiratory system. It also causes respiratory disease. But it can also be spread through vaginal secretions. And so in the case of abortion, we need to remember that because that aborted fetus, the fluids that come with the abortion and the placenta, the membranes, are absolutely full of virus and really highly contagious to all the other horses on the farm. Um, and that's a really important point to remember. Okay, great. What... um. You've, you've talked a bit about um, them having antibodies to the virus. Is there any way to know when you get a mare if they're um, carrying the virus, if it's active or not? So the virus, like all herpes viruses, uh, can be, it, it lives latently. It can be latent or silent within the nerves in the body uh, and in also some of the, the lymphatic cells or the immune cells. So it can sit there silently and you have no way of knowing that that mare is infected. She may periodically shed the virus uh, 
through her nose or through the vaginal secretions, that can be picked up with specific tests, but it's not something that people typically uh, go and do or look after routinely. Uh, and, it, and it's not possible to know when she might be shedding and when she's not. So, so it's not really practical to go in and test them all the time to know if she's been exposed. And as it's endemic, I mean, we just have to assume that most horses have been exposed to the virus at some point in their lives. So, so you have this mare that, you know, you've, uh, you're waiting for her to foal, um, and she may, uh, so she, she has this virus likely inside of her. What are some of the triggers that exist for her to start shedding that virus that may lead to an abortion? Yeah, it's really interesting. It seems to be related to stress or immunocompromise. So things that cause stress, we, we usually think with horses that can be, for instance, transportation. So trailering, especially some distance that might be stressful to the horse. Uh, mixing with new horses. So changing groups, group dynamics, all the hierarchical changes that happen when you add horses to a new group, that can be quite stressful. Uh, illness, anything that compromises their immune system. Uh, even pregnancy, for instance. Pregnancy suppresses a mare's immune system, and that's why some mares will start to shed the virus again during pregnancy. We can think about other stressors like nutrition, poor nutrition, temperature, uh, very, very cold times of the year. Those kinds of things can also be stressful for horses. And changes in management. Uh, suddenly no turnout, um, you know, different, different feeding schedule, anything that can be stressful for the horse. So it sounds like the way we manage our broodmares in Ontario lends itself to a bit of stress because we're often transporting uh, mares, you know, from either out of province or either across the border even uh, onto our farms. You know, it's usually in the winter time when they're in that third trimester. Uh, so it can be quite cold. And, uh, you know, we have issues with grouping. So I guess we put them at risk for this. And so everyone should be aware of this disease when uh, they're managing broodmare facilities. So we've talked about um, how the virus gets into the mare and how it's potentially spread and some of the triggers for shedding the virus. How does the virus actually cause that mare to abort? What's going on in there? Right. So what happens is uh, with stress or immunocompromise, some inciting factor causes the virus to, to start replicating again in the respiratory tissues. Uh, and from there, then it will, it will localize in the lymph nodes of the respiratory system and continue to replicate. And then it makes its way into the bloodstream. And from there, it will reach target organs for the virus, and one of those organs being the uterus. And it reaches the blood vessels of the uterus and damages them, so it causes inflammation in those blood vessels or vasculitis. That can lead to blood clotting and infarcts, thrombosis, uh, and damage the placenta. It can cross then the placenta and reach the fetus, and then causes the same problems in the fetus. So we typically see damage, severe damage to the, the liver of the fetus, pulmonary uh, pneumonia, for instance, but changes like that in the fetus are, are what we typically see, and that's why it causes abortion. And are we seeing that at a particular uh, time point during the pregnancy? Yeah, most of them will abort in the last third of gestation, so from about eighth, 
month eight onward is when they're at greatest risk of aborting due to herpes virus. So if you're an owner or facility manager and you, you walk out that fateful day and you see an aborted fetus during that uh, third tri- trimester, then herpes virus is high on your list. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Okay. All right. So let's say that does happen. Uh, you go out to the field uh, or even to the barn and you find that a mare has aborted. What should that owner or a facility manager do next? The first thing they should do is call their veterinarian. Um, They should ask to have the mare looked at, make sure she's okay, but also to have the fetus and the placenta examined. I mean, ideally, the entire fetus and placenta would be sent off to a lab for testing to determine the cause of abortion. Um, But in the meantime, while your vet is coming, you should remove the mare, quarantine the mare. So... When she has aborted, all those fetal fluids, vaginal secretions, everything is full of virus. And that's a tremendous uh, a problem or, or uh, exposure risk for other horses on the farm, particularly for other pregnant mares on the farm. So isolate that mare, get her away from everybody else. Pick up the fetus and placenta, use gloves. Think about, you know, you don't want to be then touching other mares or other horses on the farm um, with your hands. Uh, and, and put that fetus and placenta in something you can seal. So double bag it or in a sealed container of some kind until your vet gets there. And then do what you can to clean up the area. You know, if it's January and it's outside, obviously you're not going to be able to cold hose the, uh, the paddock. But if you can scoop up as much of the fluids or the snow or whatever that you can, that's going to be helpful to reduce the viral load and try to remove the other mares from that area if you can at all and think about um, disinfecting. And the same for the stall. So if she's aborted in the stall, you go in in the morning and there, unfortunately, is the uh, the aborted fetus. Uh, clean it up, get it in a sealed container, remove all the bedding. Don't just put that bedding out on your manure pile. Um, you know, Think about containing that bedding somewhere, sealing it in a container to dispose of it so that it's not an exposure factor for other horses on the farm. And so presumably if uh, for whatever reason you can't get that fetus into the lab for testing and the vet might actually send tissue samples instead of the entire fetus, but you as the owner uh, have to dispose of the rest of the membranes and the fetus, you, you, you don't want them to go on the manure pile, right. correct? No, right. you, you don't want them, especially if your manure pile is a paddock for one of your horses, you know, uh, exposure to everybody else or something people are going to be tramping on every day as they clean the stalls. So think think about how much, I mean, it's just full of virus if, that, if herpes virus is the cause. So think about disposing of that in a way that is going to eliminate exposure. So we have this mare that is aborted. Is there any any treatment that can be done for her? Is there any treatment that's required? So for for the herpes virus itself, no, there's no treatment, uh, unfortunately. Uh, some mares will have complications, retain placenta, uterine infections, endometritis, and so on. So those need to be treated appropriately, as you would for any mare after an abortion. We have to remember that uh, in the case of herpes virus, the infection has taken place weeks, even if even sometimes months before the abortion occurs. So that happened long ago, and the abortion is just a, a later result of the infection. So other than good biosecurity following an abortion to reduce the risk for other mares on the farm, um, there's not really any treatment per se. 
What about vaccination? So, you know, you might have mayors in a group that have have been on a different vaccination or no vaccination program. So in, in when there is an abortion on the farm, do do you go ahead and vaccinate ones that aren't vaccinated or what should you do? That's a great question. You know, vaccinating in the face of an outbreak is uh, still really controversial. The thought is that even if you have horses that are already vaccinated, by vaccinating them again or boostering them again in the face of an outbreak, you might reduce shedding of the virus. Um, there's not really any clear decision or evidence one way or the other. I think, you know, from a practical point of view, if you have mares on the farm who are unvaccinated and you have an abortion due to herpes virus, it makes sense to go ahead and vaccinate, obviously, those mares. You might get some protection uh, in the meantime. Uh, and then for mares that, that are vaccinated but are maybe, you know, due to get their next booster, we usually vaccinate uh, months five, seven, and nine of pregnancy. So maybe she's, you know, due in the next two or three weeks to get her next shot. Uh, why not do that now? Do it, do it a little bit ahead of time and make sure she's, she's more protected. Um, but in the case of mares that are up to date on their vaccine and just had their vaccine a week or two ago, I don't think it makes sense necessarily to revaccinate them. But the jury is really out on, on vaccinating in the middle of an outbreak. Okay. So back to the mare who aborted. She's now isolated from everybody. How long does she have to stay in isolation for? Yeah, another great question. We usually say about four to six weeks. That's the, the typical time that we expect them to be shedding the virus after the abortion. Um, but really before she goes anywhere, you know, maybe she's going off to be rebred uh, or something like that or moving to a different farm. If she's going to go anywhere or rejoin another group of horses, she really needs a negative nasal swab to show she's stopped shedding the virus. So you can start taking those maybe four or five weeks after the abortion uh, until she's negative. And just, you know, it's, it's possible based on recent results that, that she may be shedding for a while. So it may be another, you know, another three or four weeks beyond that. So a total of eight weeks maybe that she would shed that, shed the virus. And and that can be, uh, you know, really throw a wrench into plans oh, as well absolutely. because... yeah. You, know. you, you want to get her rebred, but you can't move her. You can't you can't take her anywhere. But you know you really have to think responsibly. Uh, you know you wouldn't want to take a mare who's shedding virus to another breeding farm with horses at risk and and risk infecting that farm with with an abortion virus. You know that'd be devastating for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So just on that, so the mare, so let's just say the mare is going to be rebred uh, off farm. Are there any issues with re rebreeding a mare that's just recently aborted? You know, what are what are the, some of the expectations the owner should have? Or... You know, I think as long as she's back to cycling normally, that can take some time. Has she cleared her uterus well? Did she suffer from retained placenta? Once all those complications have cleared and her uterus looks healthy, there's no reason that she she can't go and be rebred as long as she's not shedding the virus. It isn't clear from the studies that have been done how well herpes virus is spread by the venereal route, either from mare to stallion or, for instance, from a stallion who's infected to a mare. Um, it has been found, the virus has been found in stallion semen, and, and a stallion that's infected, it can affect his semen quality, interestingly. Hmm. Um, but not much research has been done in that whole area of venereal transmission of herpes virus, so it's, it's really quite unknown. It's not clear at all. And is there any any 
uh, evidence whether having just recently aborted from herpes virus that that would impact um, them losing uh, an embryo early on or not catching. Um, not, not to my knowledge. No one's shown any association with that. I think as long again as the, the uterus is healthy again, you know, if she's had complications after the abortion, then then that can put her at risk for early embryonic death or not getting pregnant. So I think it's not the herpes virus per se as much as the complications. Okay. So, you know, hopefully as an owner or facility manager, you haven't run into an outbreak situation, but um, let's just say there were a couple more abortions on the farm as well. So... I presume you would go through the same process, isolation. Um, do, you, do you need to re-verify uh, that the abortions due to herpes, or is that the assumption that's made? I, I think it, you know, it probably depends on finances to that point. I think um, it's always a good idea to to put the, you know, at least the next couple through for testing. At least some of the tissues, are, or or have some idea that it's continuing, that it's the same thing. And then aside from testing, you know, uh, if you're unfortunately facing an outbreak like that or an abortion storm, you have to really be vigilant. You have to continue to think about quarantining mares that have aborted, think about biosecurity, think about all those things, keep the group small, keep those aborted mares separate, try and reduce the risk to the mares that are still pregnant on the farm. So that's a good uh, segue talking about biosecurity into what should be the plans for the following year. So we know, unfortunately, a lot of facilities don't have biosecurity plans in place. And mm. so what, what are some suggestions you can make to prevent this or, or minimize uh, an abortion outbreak the following year or, or for anybody who has a breeding facility? Well, and it's interesting because the farms that I've dealt with that have had abortion storms, you know, it, it hasn't happened the next year or the next couple of years. And, and there's a number of reasons, I think, for that. Um, immunity in the mares after an outbreak like that, after they've been infected even naturally, is actually quite short-lived, only three or four months. So it's not likely that it doesn't happen because now they're immune. But people now think differently. So the things that put them at risk, those set of circumstances that resulted in the abortion storm aren't likely to happen again next year. So, you know, now people on the farms are aware of uh, the risk of bringing in horses or, or horses going to horse shows and coming back and having nose-to-nose contact with their, their pregnant mares, for instance. Um, so they think things about things a little bit differently and it's, it's not likely to happen again. So what are the kinds of things we can do? Well, quarantining new horses that come to the farm, you know, for a, at least two to four weeks. Um, keeping your groups of pregnant mares small. Keeping the pregnant mares separate from other types of horses. So that could be young horses in training, racing horses, that could be horses going to horse shows, those kinds of things where those groups are are in a higher risk group of bringing a virus home uh, and then exposing the mares. Um, Same thing for introducing new horses. Try and keep the groups the same, try and reduce the stress levels, try not to bring new horses into a a really stable, small group of mares. those kinds of things are really important. Think about about what's coming into the farm and, and how you're managing your horses. And, and then it goes back to what we talked about before about reducing stress. That's really key in preventing these outbreaks. Thinking about how we manage them. You know, sometimes 
we have no choice but to keep them indoors for a few days because the paddocks are icy or, or because of a storm and and those things are unavoidable um, but doing whatever we can to minimize the, the stress of the pregnant mares is, is going to be really helpful. So I'm hearing there's some pre-planning to that needs to take place before particularly if you're bringing outside mares or um, uh, new mares into your facility in terms of space that seems to be a big problem for many uh, facility owners is where do I put them and if you only have one big field you're going to have to think in advance of can I break that field up so we can put smaller groups together so they're not touching nose to nose or can I have another paddock somewhere uh, away you know on the other side of the property that is for new horses coming in or something like that. Right and and I think we really have to think about that in advance you know I think back to one farm you know a number of years ago that had 11 pregnant mares one of which uh, they brought in a new pregnant mare from Europe and you know all they had 10 of 11 aboard so wow. just because they put you know that new mare in with all 10 other mares into one one paddock and who knows which mare it was that started shedding that you know that that exploded the whole thing but to lose 10 of 11 pregnancies was was huge so some pre-planning and, and thinking about you know what distance can i can i put her away you know at distance from the other horses that's safe there was a study somewhere showed that the virus can travel something like 50 meters aerosolized so with a cough or or nasal secretion but we also have to think about fomites so so just our hands and our boots and um, how the virus can travel that way not just nose-to-nose contact with the horses and and not to complicate things and, and I, I didn't really want to mention this in this this particular podcast because it's um, we're talking about abortion but the same virus can cause neurologic disease in horses and it can be fatal um, so if you are bringing in those brood mares and mixing them with horses that have other jobs, such as show horses or race horses or even just school horses, you do put them at risk right. for developing neurological disease uh, if that mare happens to abort or is shedding the virus at the time. So another good reason to keep uh, keep horses of different jobs um, separate from one another, right. another. And we have that saying, horses that play together should stay together. So if they do the same job keep them together right. if they don't keep them apart. Right. Okay, so let's just talk um, really quickly about um, vaccination. So a lot of people have heard of mares that have been vaccinated against herpes virus that have aborted. Um, so what is what is the, the concept about vaccinating these mares um, through the, th- the three trimesters, two trimesters? Yeah, like any vaccine, it's not a guarantee. Uh, you know, it, we're trying to build up the level of immunity. It, it, the thing with herpes virus is that the immunity through, you know, either natural infection or the vaccine is quite short-lived. Um, the vac- Because of the way the virus lives latently in the nerves and in the immune cells, it's a really hard virus to vaccinate against, to get a good immune response to you know, the virus is, is basically, it's learned how to, to hide. Um, and that's what makes it so difficult to, to produce a good vaccine for it. Um, but by, by vaccinating everybody, you lower your, chan- your, your chances of abortion, you lower your risk, you know, and, and instead of maybe losing 10 of 11, if there was an abortion outbreak, you might, you know, have, have a couple, hopefully. Right, right. Um, 
and we and we don't know why some mares are bored and others don't necessarily. Is it just viral load? Is it just exposure levels? Probably the level of stress in that particular individual animal, her immune system, all kinds of factors can come into play. But vaccination, you know, even though people think, well, it, it doesn't work, so why would I bother? It really does help reduce your risk of abortion in these situations. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shenye, for uh, discussing uh, equine herpes virus abortion with us. We've gone through quite a bit of information mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, what, what is the virus to how it affects the mare to uh, biosecurity and vaccination. So before we leave, um, did you just want to let our listeners know what types of research you're doing at the present time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually have a a project just starting now on abortion in mares, uh, and we're looking for participating farms. Um, This project is looking at the possibility that a protozoan, Neospora caninum, might be involved in abortion in horses. Uh, It is certainly a very important cause of abortion in cattle worldwide and and especially in Ontario. And recently there have been a a few cases, individual cases in mares, three in France, one in Israel, and one in Montana last year, confirmed in horses. No one's ever looked at exposure levels to Neospora in horses in Canada, so we're going to look at that. So for that, we're going to take blood samples from brood mares um, so any farms that are listeners that are out there that are interested in participating in this study, happy to have uh, just a blood sample from some of the mares on the farm. And then the owners will fill out a survey about farm management practices. And the hope there is that we can get a handle on risk factors for exposure. Certainly in cattle, dogs and coyotes are, are thought to be highly involved in rodents in, uh, in transmission of the protozoan. Um, so we're going to look at risk factors. And then the second part of the study is to actually look at aborted fetuses. So we'll be be looking specifically for Neospora in aborted fetuses uh, over the next couple of years. Okay. So if, uh, if people want to get hold of me, probably the easiest way is by email uh, here at the university. Uh, and that's tchenier, so T-C-H-E-N-I-E-R at uoguelph.ca. Well, great. I hope there are some people that will respond. And again, I'd like to thank you for taking oh, the time pleasure. to being with us today. Thanks. Thank you.